Thank you guys so much. You may be seated. Thank you so much. And uh, man, what an honor it is for me um, to be here with you guys today. Um, last week you got rained out, and then you come back this week and you're like, who's that guy? Uh, well, I'm your friend. Whether you know it or not, I'm your friend, and I am a huge believer in your pastors. Um, not only just Pastor Mitch and Pastor Brandy, but the whole team, which like, like if you're new here, you don't realize what a miracle two years is that you guys look like this, have music like this. Like when you, if you saw us at two years old, you would have not come back. You just would have been like, nah, we're not, we're not going back to that location. We met in the worst buildings uh, ever. Uh, we had, it, it, yeah, I'm not going to go down that road, but you guys have done an amazing, amazing job. And so thank you so much for uh, being supporters of this church and, and being here and bringing your friends God's doing amazing things, and the best is yet to come. Amen, somebody? Best is yet to come. Uh, asking for a friend. Uh, and can I just say real quick, this guy right here playing keys, I know you guys know what a beast he is, but just, I have a spirit of lust, um, not for him personally, but for his, okay, anyway, that, I shouldn't have probably gone down that road because it just got weird all of a sudden. I was like, this is awkward right now. Um, so, so we're in this series asking for a friend, and basically what we're doing over the next few weeks and what we've been doing is uh, answering your biggest questions. And the first week, Pastor Mitch talked about how to raise godly kids, and you had baby dedications, and that was amazing. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about how to deal with difficult people. Come on, everybody knows you need that word right now. Some of you are sitting next to that person right now, and you're like, you need to come and listen and take lots of notes. Um, uh, but today, I want to tackle something that is so common in our country. And because it's so normalized that people just don't even think about it so much anymore, but it's a real problem. It, it's a major contributor to heart attacks. It, is, uh, it plays a huge role in raising blood pressure for millions of Americans, myself included. It produces sleepless nights, ulcers. Um, it costs billions of dollars in lost wages to our economy. It, it, it plays a big role um, in leading to depression and anxiety and even to people c deciding to commit suicide. It, it causes fatigue, dizziness, ulcers, anger, and a host of other symptoms. Like there's been incredible books written about it. Um, all of this caused by stress. And I would say it's kind of ugly cousin anxiety. Um, now, how do I handle stress, and what does God want me to do with my stress? Just a show of hands, how many of you regularly deal with stress uh, in your life? Just raise your hands, yeah. That's most of us, most of us. Some of us don't want to raise our hands, but we also deal with anxiety as well. Some of us uh, take medications for anxiety um, because stress has kind of broken us down or because of some chemical things that are going on. But there's just a lot of stress in life, and, and most of it comes from familiar sources, um, for me, my biggest stressor in life is traffic. Um, I live on the city's west side. We, we have a road called Calabra, which is of the devil. We have another road called Petranco, which is also of the devil. You guys have I-10 going back into town. That's of the devl Can I get an amen? Um, and I'm, I'm convinced now um, that the devil follows me around putting dumb drivers in front of me always so he can get me. Come on, anybody else know this? Like, seriously, can you, like... Okay, I'm not going to go down that road because I have a real issue with traffic and drivers and they're just not always the brightest. And, and for me, it's like my wife will be like, babe, just calm down. And I'm like, that dude just cut me off. And I got to beat him. She's like, beat him at what? And I'm like, I don't know, but he can't. And then I become like this angry driver's ed teacher and I got to show the guy up or something. And I don't know why, am I the only one that does this? 
Okay, a few of you are just like me. Like my kids the other day told me, Dad, I don't think when we have kids, we're gonna let them get in the car with you because <laughs> you teach them bad things. I'm like, well, well you're my kids, so I guess I'm teaching them bad bad things. An another area of stress is relationships and families, fractured families. Like some of you um, grew up w with a single parent in, in the home and there was somebody missing from your life. Some of you grew up in a product of divorce. Some of you have been through divorces. Some of you are, you know, have lost some, a loved one recently and there's all of that stress. The holidays are coming and, and you know, maybe grandpa's not here anymore. Grandma's not here anymore. Or, or maybe it's just as silly as we're gonna go to Uncle Johnny's house. He's gonna drink too much. He's gonna lose his pants and that's gonna be, everything's gonna be awkward for everybody. Like, stress, right? We, we all understand this. You want to get married, you're not, um, you're stressed out about it. You, are, you get married, and you're stressed out about it. You wanted a kid, uh, you get some kids, and then they stress you out, and you're like, why did, we get, why did I get married in the first place? Now you're stressed out and freaked out. Come on, everybody with me, right? But, but let, let's, let's, so some of you would say my stress comes from the fact that I don't have any meaningful community in my life. Like, and, 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 and so, so some of the biggest stress, stressors in life is that I'm lonely. And I don't have anybody that's my friend or that I can share my life with. And this is why we all need a circle. This is why you need connect groups. This is why they pu we push those things here because everybody needs somebody in your life. And if you don't have that, it just contributes because you have nowhere for somebody. The Bible says to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And if you don't have somebody helping you, that, that creates stress in your life. So I want to define stress today just for the purposes of this message as the gap between the demands placed upon us. And, and I could put, instead of demands, I could put the bills placed upon us, the, the hours of work that I have to do, but the gap between the demands that are placed upon us and our ability to meet those demands. Right. Think about that. That there's a gap oftentimes between what we have to do and what we're capable of doing. Is everybody with me on this? And that gap creates stress, and that gap is heavy. And the greater the gap, the greater the stress and, and the pressure that we all bear. And pretty much everybody I know ha has stress because of that gap. And the Bible has much to say about this. One of my favorite verses in all the Bibles and found in Psalm 34 and 19. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, like, like not, not of people who aren't, Christ followers. Many are the afflictions of people who are followers of Jesus, right? But the Lord delivers him out of them all. And th in this word afflictions, it kind of means that we're crushed under the weight of something. Like even righteous people have stresses that weigh us down and can feel soul crushing to the extent that some of us are in this room right now feeling like if anybody adds one more thing to the pile of stuff I gotta do, I don't think I can take it anymore. I don't think I can bear any more weight. And, I, and, and my heart goes out to you because I've been there so many times in my life where it feels like I just can't breathe under the weight of the, the, the Bible word of, of the afflictions. So, so when I think about how to deal with stress, I want us, for the purposes of this message today, think bigger than the sort of normal stuff where people say, well, just take some medications or get acupuncture, put your foot behind your head, smell some lavendery stuff, and then, and then you'll be all good. Like, like just like, like acupuncture, like if that doesn't stress you, if you're not already stressed, that would stress me out, just like being jabbed with needles. I have a fear of these things. 
And, and when you read about uh, the solutions to the stress, there's articles in magazines and in, on, online. They're helpful, but they don't deal with what I would call the root issues. St stuff like, th they'll say stuff like avoid stressful people. We're gonna talk about that next week, right? Take more vacations. You can only take so many, right? Sometimes I feel like my vacations need to be once a month with the, with the weight that we carry sometimes. Get, get some fun in your life. Sit in a hot tub. Get more exercise. Balance your diet. Drink less caffeine. If you live in Colorado, I was just there. Then, you, you know, smoke a plant-based diet. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's how they handle it there. Um, Yeah, like, there, there's, there's unavoidable stress. Stuff happens, right? Yeah. Life happens, traffic, finances. But, but for most of us, the solution to those things is, is just creating margin in your life, right? right? right. Financially, got to have some margin. Yeah. Can't, can't spend more than I got. I got to have some margin, right? Uh, in terms of my time, like some of us, um, my wife's not here yet, she'll be here in the next service, we, we like to leave at the last possible second. Like, I don't do that. Like, today, I was supposed to be here at 8.45. I got here at 8.25 because I just like margin. I don't like to be stressed out. I'm going to do things to create margin in my life. Financially, in terms of your schedule, in terms of your, in terms of your calendar, you just create margin, and that by itself will reduce stress in most situations, right? But, but there's also, there, there's unavoidable, but then there's some avoidable kinds of stresses, which is the kind I want to talk about today that come from bad habits, that come from bad thinking, and that come from wrong motives that drive us in life to do what we do, which creates the stress that we end up. And this is in part my story, and I'm gonna share just a moment of it in ju uh, just in a little bit. And this is where I wanna focus today. And I, I don't think that the normal solutions for stress address the root causes that many of us have, and it's simply the way that we think, the way that we address life, the reasons that we do the stuff we do, the reasons we say yes to all the stuff we say yes to. There is something that is driving that. And, and, and our thinking about life and our motives just get all screwed up and our priorities get out of alignment and our pursuits are often, think about this, in light of eternity, are often empty and meaningless. For, for many of us, We've made achievement, and we've made success, and we've made money an idol. And those idols, they're not God. And they lead us down bad roads, and you're looking at a guy who's been down some bad roads. So stress is the fruit, but wrong thinking is the root. And I think the cure is found in biblical rhythm. Rhythm, right? Um... There, there's a rhythm to life. There's an ebb and there's a flow to life because you can't always be pedaled to the metal all of the time uh, or you end up in bad spots. You'll burn out. There has to be times in life when you slow. There has to be times when you go at it as hard as you can. And sometimes we have to rethink um, how we think about life because if we ignore the rhythms of life, not, not only of, of life, but of the day, of the week, of the month, of the year, if we ignore those rhythms it causes all of the problems we talked about in the opener, all of the stuff that society costs billions and billions of dollars stress does in our country, right? The, the first, I, I, so in light of all that, I wanna bring you two words um, that I find very significant for me, words that I feel like God has given me from a season where I just completely fried out two years ago. Two years ago during this season, I got shut down for six weeks. My overseers and my doctors shut me down and said, you must not go to church, you must not work, or you will die. That's the words. Danny, you're going to die. You're going to die soon. 
Uh, they were running tests on me. They didn't know what to do with me. They didn't know what was causing it at first. And then it was just like, dude, you are fried. Stop. So, two words. They're not very common in our day, but they were common in the Bible. Very important in the Bible. If you have your Bibles, turn with me uh, to 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 58. If not, it'll be on the screen right here. You can just track along with us. Um, here as well. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. This is kind of from the King James Version. Hopefully I can actually find this. There we go. Um, and I just want to read it um, in this original, t- the, the original sort of old King James. He says, Paul says, therefore my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, and here's the word, always abounding. Would you say abounding with me? Abounding. In the work of the Lord, of the work that God gives you to do, Uh, as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So the word is always abounding. We don't use it much, but it was one of Paul's most favorite words. And it meant to overflow, to be full, to excel at something, to have tremendous energy for the work that God's given you to do. Eugene Peterson translated um, the message paraphrase of the Bible, and he he, he translates this, throw yourself into your work, right? In Colossians 3, Paul says, whatever you do, whatever your job is, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart, giving everything you got as though you're working for the Lord himself and not for human bosses, uh, and, and et cetera. The, the idea here is that God gives everybody significant work to do with your hands, with your, with, with your, with your life. Whether you get paid for it or not, whether you're, whether you're uh, like some 80-hour-a-week guy or you're a volunteer, there's good work to do. Everybody has it. A- and part of how God made us is to contribute, to create, to produce value, and to make the world a better place. Um, Ecclesiastes 9, the, the, the wise man says, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all of your, say it with me, your might. Say, do it with all of your might. In other words, don't just punch a clock. Don't, don't just show up and go through the motions at your job. Like, give it, give it everything you got. What, what God wants us to be able to do at the end of our life is to look back over our lives. Say, God, what you gave me to do, I, I didn't do it perfectly, but I did it the best I could with, with, with all of my heart as though I was doing it for you. That, that's the word abounding. And, and, and I think everybody wants that. Everybody wants to know I did something significant with my life, but that's not all I want, right? Here's the other word that I want us to look at today, and this, these are the words of Jesus as found in the book of John, as John recorded this. John chapter 15, verse four. And by the way, if you're reading, if you're like, what do I read in the Bible? Read, read John 15. Read it 15 times and just meditate on the brilliance of, of Jesus as he's teaching his, his followers. And he says in verse four, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit. Now when you hear this word bear fruit, that's the word abound. The the branch cannot abound of itself, right? Except it abides in the vine. That's the word abide. No more can you except you abide me. And then the next verse he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. In, In other words, Jesus says, you can't abound. You can't accomplish good things. Uh, you, you can't become the kind of person that you need to become all by yourself just by trying really, really, really hard, right? You, you must abide me. And, and, and abide is a very important word. We don't use it a lot in our day, but Jesus used it a lot. And, and, and abide means to remain. It means to dwell with or linger over. Like, I know it's hard for you to imagine right now because it's September and in other parts of the country, 
they're wearing jackets and they're, you know, it's, there's a frost in the air, there's a nip, like, but here it's just sweaty and humid. Can I get a good witness for that? Just, even when it's raining, it's just even more humid. Like when I was driving in, I saw fish. It was so humid, they were swimming past my face. Like I saw a large mouth bass. I wanted to turn around. Not really, just FYI. He's like, he's lying. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, anyways, but, but, when, but when I go skiing or when we go to the mountains, we love to visit the mountain. We love to visit winter because um, we don't really get it here. So we go visit it for like a week and they're like, done, going back to sweat town. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, uh, but when you come in from skiing or whatever, and I'm, not, I'm terrible at it, but I like to go and, and almost die almost the whole time I'm there. And then somebody hands you like a steaming mug of coffee or, or hot chocolate and you're freezing, your nose is red and there's like sickles coming out like of your nose. You know, is that too much? <laughs> All right, uh, I was a youth pastor for 14 years so I say inappropriate things sometimes, so forgive me. Um, but you're just like, and the steam of it's coming up and you're just kind of hanging out. That, that's dwell, that's, I'm lingering with that in that, in that, in that moment. And, and so when Jesus says that we are to remain with him or to abide in him, the idea is that we're, we're to live connected to him, that we're in an unhurried, peaceful, lingering uh, kind of way. We're slowing down, we're listening, and we carve out space in every day to, to listen, to, to, to dwell with, to hang out with it. There's this rhythm of it that we work hard, we work frenetically, we go at it, we, work, we give it all of our might. We don't just punch the clock, but then in somewhere in the day, we breathe and we slow down, and there's this rhythm there's this rhythm, go, 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 slow, 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 go, go, go. And there's this rhythm that's involved, back and forth, but Christ is in the center. And, and, and for me, I, I want to abide with God. Like, I, I like to be a man of deep prayer. I, I, I like to, to be a fully authentic human being. Like, I, I, I'm tempted sort of just to sort of skim through life and, and to kind of hydroplane over the ups and the downs of life rather than letting me, letting life take me where it's going. And, and I'd like to experience life deeply and I, I don't wanna go through my life just as this driven and, and, and obsessed person. I, I don't wanna live in, in the sort of frenzied pace of, of a world that's gone insane. That like, like I wanna be a really good dad, I have two girls. I want deep moments with my daughters. I, I want to savor every bit of the mystery and the wonder of, of marriage. And I, I want to have deep, intimate friendships, life-giving friendships. And I want to have my mind more formed by the scriptures than I do, you know, uh, television and Hollywood and CNN or Fox or wherever you get your news or Oprah or whomever, right? Like, I, I'd like to do what the psalmist did where he says, uh, I, I'd like to have the Lord as my shepherd who, leads me beside the still waters, who takes me down in green pastures, and then who, who restores my soul. Who, who restores my soul because my soul gets really jacked up by, by this world because of all the stuff and all of the things that attack my soul. And so I find myself with this with this tension. On the one hand, I want to abound in life. I want to make it happen. I want to fight the fight. I have, I have ambitions. I want to succeed. I, I, I want to make it happen. But, but on the other hand, I want to abide. I want to walk deeply with God. I'd like to be still and know that He's God even when nothing around me is still. I want to have real peace. I want to slow down. I want to rest. I, I need rhythm. And, and maybe this message isn't for anybody, but this message is for me and I have to remind myself over and over and over because of the way I'm wired. I, I want to abide and I want to abound. But my life 
And I'm sure in yours, there's this is enormous tension in trying to do both well. And, and my proclivity is towards making success and accomplishments an idol in my life. That is my bent, and I have to fight it at every turn. And this creates a dynamic for me that fried me two years ago. This dynamic right here, getting this wrong. And, and when you add to that race other pressures that are part of this season of my life, I have a wife who works full-time in the corporate world, which means she is constantly interacting with young guys in their prime, which means I have to remain in this supreme physical shape. <laughs> I'm not sure I appreciate the laughter right now. <laughs> like this hatred coming at me right now. I, I, I would laugh at me too, right? Um, I, I have two young daughters. I want to give them the best that I have. I don't want to provide for them the best stuff. That's not what's most important to me. I want, them to, I want to give them the best of me. I, I want to have memories with them. I don't want to be building this big pile of regrets for, uh, for some day because I was too busy or I was too distracted to be fully present in the moment with them. And, and those moments are going by so much faster now, 15 and 11 years old. And, and I don't want to wake up one day and realize I missed the most important moments. So, so I experience this constant tension between these two worlds, but, but, but my personal bent is towards abounding because it feeds my need to feel significant, listen to me now, to feel like a somebody. And rather than finding my identity in Christ, I want to find it in success, and I want to find it in achievement, and I want to find it in the accolades of others. This is my, my tension. This is what's going on in my life that I'm fighting all of the time. I, I want to make a series of observations in the time that's left about managing this because I believe if you learn how to manage this, you get the stress thing right. There's the unavoidable stuff. You can't deal with that. You just create margin. You just make more time, make more room. But the avoidable stuff, the stuff that we do to ourselves, this is what we do to ourselves. So, so a series of observations. The first one I'll put in the form of a question. When can I expect this tension to go away, right? When, when can I expect the tension in my life to go away? Answer, when you die. You're welcome, everybody. Baby goes to sleep now. You know what I'm saying? When you die. Um, Jesus wrestled with this tension all throughout his life. Um, he's 30 years old. He gets baptized. He's about to start his earthly ministry. He's ready to start his work as his teacher, as this rabbi. But before he does, he knows. Before he does, he understands the that before I do, I, I've got to abide. And so he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights to abide with God. And there's some challenges that happen in there. But, but, but he, he, he does this. Why? Why does he fast? Why does he go out and pray for 40 days? Why? He realizes that he just needs to fill up before he goes out and pours out. And, and, then he be, and, and, and this is not just about ministry. This is about you pouring out in your job. Because a lot of you, your job is what you do for ministry. Like, they're not always separate. You might do something here as well. Hopefully you're serving here. But, but also that your job can be the place that God's put you to do great things. And so you pour out there. And so before he does anything, he's preparing himself. He's preparing his heart, preparing his life. Because he knows what he's about to do is, go, is going to be very draining. So at the beginning of his ministry, Mark who recorded the stories of Jesus' life, talks about this dynamic. So ver, ver, chapter one, verse 35, here's what it says. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a, what? A solitary place, meaning he got away from the noise, where he prayed. 
So he does this for a season. He's praying, he's praying, he's praying because he's trying to get fueled up. But then a few verses later, his disciples are looking for him. They're like, Jesus, where you been, man? They find him in this solitary place. And they're like, where you been? We, we've emailed you. We shot you multiple texts. We got WhatsApp on you. You're like, we, we snapped you, but you weren't there. What are you doing? And, and Jesus doesn't, doesn't, you know, knock down Peter. They're like, back off. I'm abiding, clearly, right? Look, look what he says. Look what he says. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And then he throws himself into his work. And there's this, his whole thing is this rhythm of abiding and abounding, doing the work that God has for him to do. The second observation, I'll put this in the form of a question as well. Who's responsible for you getting this right? You, you are. Not your boss, not your wife, They'll help you, not your spouse. They'll help you, right? But ultimately you, and I only bring this up because it, it boggles my mind, the, 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 the measure with which we give other people who are not in our home, right, the ability to dictate our one and only lives, which go by so fast. And we need to learn the best response often is just no. Can't do it, sorry. Gotta spend time with my family. Gotta spend time with my, my, my people. The, the, the third observation is that I gotta become very good at reading the gauges of my own life. Everybody gets in a car, you have gauges. What's the gas? What's the heat? Like if your car's old, you're constantly looking at the heater deal. Like, like it's always getting too hot. Like I gotta go put some water in it. That's every car I ever had for the first 12 years of my driving life was had to go put some, had to carry jugs of water around with me. Anybody have this? No, you are fancy. I forgot about that. Like back in my day, back in the day, because I'm old now. Like some of you are like, not really. But anyways, I'm very young actually. Um, 40,000. Um, but we have, to, we have to learn to read the gauges, and I've got to regularly ask myself how I'm doing in the key areas of my life. There's got to be a way for me to evaluate how I'm doing. And I mention this partly because of uh, uh, people are drifting, and I see it all around me as a pastor. I see it as fr- as, uh, t- even in some of my friends. People are drifting into very destructive patterns where they are incredibly out of rhythm, overly stressed out, and it's in those seasons when they're overly stressed out that bad decisions get made that become life-altering. We live in a world where being overly busy is not just normal, it's sort of a good thing. Right, you ever been part of a conversation where you go, hey man, you haven't seen somebody in a while, how's it going? Busy, busy, go, great, busy, right? As though busy is the reason for living and, and what, what they're saying, what is sort of implicit in this is my life is good because I am what? I'm busy, right? Like, I, I read this guy, he said, business serves as a kind of existential reassurance, a hedge against emptiness. Like, like the, 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 str- the, 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 the stress then becomes a kind of drug that makes me feel like a somebody, that my life can't be meaningless and empty if I'm this busy. You see, it's thinking. And as a result, life can feel like everything's in a rush and we're rushing from this to this and that to that. Th- there are nights where sometimes I rush home because it's late and I'm like, babe, we gotta hurry up to get to sleep. I gotta get up early. We gotta hurry up to get to sleep. Anybody ever tried this? How's that working for you? Anybody with me? <laughs> Two o'clock in the morning, you're just like Beavis, you know? Anybody remember Beavis? <laughs> 80s, any 80s people? Might have been the other guy. Something head, I don't remember. <laughs> Small children in the room, right? I, I have to fight hurry in my life and I have to fight 
this thought that my life can't matter unless I'm frenetic, running through it at all times. And, and, and hurry builds up this sort of tension, this tension which becomes a kind of anxiousness. And this anxiousness leads to this third thing. A lot, for a lot of people, it's anger. And so we're rushing through life and we're building and, and, and the pace of life. And instead of leaving us feeling accomplished and, and satisfied, leaves us feeling even more empty and more frustrated and more impatient and easily anger. All of this, the opposite of abiding, which is patient and smooth and joyful and I become increasingly stressed and oftentimes it simply starts in the way that I'm approaching my life and right up here. I, I don't have all of this right yet but I'm working on it. So here's what I think. I'm, I'm learning that my schedule is far less about what I have to get done and more about who I want to become. I didn't invent this thing. I don't know who this statement is but this is, this is true for me. It's, it's about who I'm trying to be rather than just what I have to get done because I don't want to wake up at 60 years old filled with regrets about time lost. I, I want to get intensely practical here. and I want to give you a way to create a gauge of sorts, a, a, a way to assess the abounding, abiding dynamic in your life and whether you have it in rhythm or not, and, and this was from a book by, uh, by a guy by the name of um, James Lord, and he, and he talks about, and I'm gonna go old school here and just draw on the board. Um, he talks about how our life is, is, is a life of energy, and, and that, energy, that energy is often divided into sort of four, I'm the worst drawer and writer ever in the history of mankind, so hopefully you can see this. If you're taking notes, I just want you to do this because this can be helpful for you. And he talks about positive being, I mean, uh, energy being positive, and he talks about it being negative. Again, my writing. And then he talks about it being two kind of ways, that it's high and that it's low. And then he describes it being in sort of four sort of quadrants of, of life. And so over here in quadrant number one, the energy is both positive and it's high. And so this would be words like, um, I'm thriving. I'm energized. Energized, yeah. I'm creative. There's a, there's a flow. You ever been in a flow in life at work where it's just like, man, it's just, I can't fail right now. It's just go, there's a flow to life. And, 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 and so it's positive. And, and this, would be, this would be where our word abound shows up, right? And, and then down here, it's still positive, but the energy is low. And so words like peaceful, right? Relaxed. I'm, I'm with family. This is where I'm gonna try to do most of my relationships. There's, there's some joy here, right? It, it's low, but then you get over to the sort of right side of the line here. That's supposed to be a three, right? And you get to the, the negative side of the thing, and, and words like uh, stressed show up. Like, like the energy's high. There's a lot of energy, but stressed. The key word a lot of times is fearful. It, it, it's, it's negative. Um, there's a loss of gratitude a lot of times right here. This is where I get anxious a lot of times. And you know what happens in, in quadrant three a lot of times? This is where we hurt people with our words. And most of the time, we hurt our own families and our own kids. We come in from work, and they're just trying to catch our attention, and we strike out at our husband, and we strike out at our wife because we're hanging out here. 
quadrant three. And this is, a, this is just a way of you gauging where you're at. And, and then in quadrant four, this is where words like sad, depressed, uh, I just forgot how to spell depressed, is that bad? This is where we lose, we lose joy. This is where we are finding it hard to get up, to, to go to work. And this is often the time where we harm ourselves. This is often a season. The right side of the line. It's negative both sides of the way. Now let me ask you a question. In general, in your life, as you approach your job, as you're going to work, which of these four quadrants do you want to be in? Right? You want to be in this first one. You're thriving, you're energized, you're creative, there's a flow. And, and oh, by the way, this is, this is where our word abide shows up. Like, most of us don't work for money. We, we think we do, but we really, really, really work for the joy of this, experiencing this. That's really the payoff, because God wired us up to want to be here. But can I tell you something? If you just try to have one without two, ultimately what happens to you is you end up in either three or you end up in four. If you think, I can just work hard, I can just make it happen, I can go pedal to metal all the time, and you never spend time with your friends and your family and your God, you end up over here. Every time you end up over here. Now let me tell you something. Two years ago, when I discovered where I was at, I'm on family vacation in Costa Rica, one of, my favorite, one of my favorite places in the world. I always had been down there on mission trips over and over and over and over again, but had never taken my family on a vacation, so I decided I'm going to take my crew down there on vacation. And we go down there, and about day number two or three, I got my, my little daughter's probably nine at the time, and my oldest one's probably 12 at the time. Uh, no, f- uh, 13 and, 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 and 10 is what it was. And we're cruising along about day or three or four, and my little one says to me, she's the sweetest little thing you've ever met, Daddy, why don't you ever smile anymore? And then my older one, yeah, Dad, you don't, you don't want to ever laugh anymore. What, what's, Dad, Dad, what's wrong with you? This was in August, two years ago. And my wife comes up to me right afterwards because that just crushed my soul for your little kids to say to you, Dad, what's wrong with you? What is, you, you don't have any joy. And during this season of my life, our church was setting all of these records. I didn't get a bit of gratitude out of it. I didn't feel any joy about it. People were getting saved. We were baptizing more than we'd ever had. We were having record numbers of people. I got nothing from it. I was living down in three and four, and I spent so much time in three. But do you know why I was in three? Can I tell you? Can I just be so honest with you right now? Do you know why I spent, I spent two or three years here because I was competing against guys around me who frankly were high, had more capacity than I did, who, who God had gifted in a ways that he hadn't gifted me, and I was running their race at their pace, and I got fried, and I got burned out because of my pride said, you are as good as them, and I wasn't, I wasn't. But something in me wanted to feel significant and wanted to feel worthy, and so I, st- I, went, I went past the capacity that God gave for me. I, I, I pushed myself beyond my limits to the extent that my wife said, babe, something's really, really wrong with you and your daughter's just out at you for it. But what was I supposed to do, quit? See, see, and this is the pushback from you. 
Because what, what happens when you, when you hang out in this area too long is you give yourself permission to do godless things. This is where these two places have lived there long enough and everybody gets to both of these places at seasons. But if you, if you get over here, and my mine was competition and pride and making I, a success an idol. That was mine. Some of you, that's yours too. You hadn't been honest enough with yourself, but that was mine. But I got to this place where I wasn't relying on the Holy Spirit. Frank, frankly, there were some seasons I was trying to do our church and I wasn't even praying that much. I wasn't really looking to the scriptures to, to, to feed me. I was looking for something new to feed the folks that were, were coming to church on Sundays. Stress comes in most of our lives when I try to do more than God has gifted me, wired me up, assigned me, given me the capacity to do, and I end up over here in three and four, and this is exactly what I mean by wrong thinking. And some of you will push back on this, say, what am I supposed to do? It's my job. What am I supposed to do, quit? Maybe. Maybe there's a job that's not quite as stressful that will still provide for your family. Maybe not the level that this one does, but is it worth, is it worth it? to lose your family? Some of you would say, man, my kids have all these activities in life. What am I supposed to do? Quit some of these things? Maybe. Is running your kids all over from thing to thing really the best thing for them? Like, listen to me. Can I just be really truthful? They stink at soccer. Stop taking them anyways. Come on. Out in there and following butterflies around. Like, let them go. Follow butterflies. I know that's, that, that's, that jacks with some of you. I'm stressed out by all the things I have to do, Danny. Do you really have to do all the things you have to do? Do you have to keep doing everything everybody asks you to do? Is it wisdom to really keep climbing up the corporate ladder where each new rung requires more from you, which gives you less to your family, less to the things that actually fill you up, less to the things that God's called you, wired you up to do? Is that really wisdom? Yeah, but if it's the American way, and it's killing people right and left, and people are taking their lives right and left, for this dynamic, is, is more always more or, or are the additions actually subtracting from your life? Please hear me. It's at this point where the wisdom of life consists in the elimination of the non-essentials. Get rid of stuff. What if your version of a successful life is actually more than the capacity God has given you. And the net result of you trying to force it to be so anyways is stress and fatigue and frustration and anxiety and tension in your home and the loss of relationship with your heavenly father who has this perfect design for your life. Listen, you cannot overwork your mind, emotions, and body and not eventually pay the price for that excess. And that price can be anything from burnout, which is what I experienced, to relational tension, to physical illness, to mental illness, but there is a price to living on this side of the line for too long. So a year and a half ago, on my sabbatical, I determined that the numbers and the church growth addiction, this is my world, you have a different world than me, you guys are in business, you do other things, but my world is church. That, 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 the, that the, the church growth addiction and the numbers that I had come to accept as normal would not define me anymore. I want to grow. We will always try to get better. I want to see lots and lots of people get saved, and I will never stop working at it until I die. I will not be lazy. I will not stop learning. I want to abound. I'm called to abound, but here's what I learned. I will not, I, I would die for Jesus, but I'm not going to die for my work. I will not kill my family for our church. I will not kill my marriage for, for my work. 
I plan to enjoy my life, not be defined solely by what it is that I do and how much of it I accomplish. Can't do that. And this is the word God gave me from Matthew 11. Last thing. This is the message paraphrase. Are you tired? Are you worn out? These are the words of Jesus. Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. And I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And look at this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Most of what I was doing in my life for God ostensibly was not grace. It was works. I was trying to earn my keep. I was trying to prove my worth. And Jesus says, listen, there's, a, there's, there's an unforced rhythm. And he says, I won't lay anything ill-fitting or heavy on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And I have come to understand now through a season where they told me I was going to die and I felt like I was going to. I thought I was going to die over and over again almost every night. I've come to understand that it's likely if the burden feels too heavy to bear, it's likely because it's not my burden to bear. That if you're chronically tired, worn out, or burned out, and it's not a medical issue, that God didn't put that on you, probably you put that on you. And you need to drop it off at Jesus' feet, take on his load for your life, not the one that you assume is yours, and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Amen, somebody? Amen. Can I just tell you what I would say is one of the most stressful things in life is to try to be your own savior. To try to save you. And I, I just want to say to somebody who's trying to do that so far, as, as we bow heads, as we close eyes, that maybe right now you would say, you know what, Pastor Danny, I, I've never given my life to Jesus. I've been trying to lead my own life. I've been trying to do things my own way but I want, to, I, want, I want to drop that in this moment, in this space. I want to come to Jesus and I want him to become the forgiver of my sins. I want him to be the Lord of my life. I want him to direct. I want him to protect my life. I want him to take control of my life. If, if that's you this morning, I want you just to lift your hands if you want to be included in our prayer. Nobody's looking real quick. Nobody's looking. Raise your hands if that's you. Yes, several hands. Thank you so much. Just make it your own. Lord Jesus, I come to you asking you to be my load bearer, my burden carrier. God, I drop off not only my stress and my troubles on you, but I want to drop off the pain and the hurt and the shame and the guilt and the sin of my life. I want, you want to take it from me and you want to make a, me a new life. And so, Lord, right now, and, and this is a declaration that you make, right now, Lord, I declare in my heart and in my mind with my mouth that you died, but that you rose again and that you live right now, and you paid the price for my sins. And so I give my heart and my life to you, Jesus, today. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my guide. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen, amen. Can we give God a big hand clap for new beginnings? Amen, City Hills. God bless you. Thanks so much.